Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the legendary Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Jimmy Cook in for the coach, Bob Lovell. Colt schedule came out last week. When should Anthony Richardson start? Plus, Alex Pillow runs away with it at the GMR Grand Prix. So much to get to, so much to talk about. But first, we send it over to the star of the show. It's Network Indiana's James Adams. Playoffs, the Western Conference second round. We are going to get a game seven. The Seattle Kraken, they defeat the Dallas Stars six to three to tie the series up three to three. Game seven of that series, that will be played Monday in Dallas. Vegas also plays Edmonton tomorrow at 10 in NHL playoff news as well. Vegas is up three to two in their series. All right. Moving to Major League Baseball, some more scores for you. In the bottom of the seventh, the Arizona Diamondbacks are up four to one over the San Francisco Giants. The bottom of the six, the Phillies, they are up 4-3 to three over the Colorado Rockies. Some scores from earlier today, the New York Yankees, they beat the Tampa Bay Rays 9-8. to eight. The Cincinnati Reds, they beat the Miami Marlins 6-5. to five. Seattle Mariners, they shut out the Detroit Tigers 5 to nothing, and the Chicago Cubs, they got walloped by the Minnesota Twins today, 11-1. to one. The Toronto Blue Jays, they beat the Atlanta Braves 5-2. to two. The New York Mets, they were playing the Washington Nationals t- today. That game was suspended due to rain. The Nationals were up one to nothing at the time. The Texas Rangers, they shut out the Oakland Athletics 5 to nothing. The St. Louis Cardinals beat the Boston Red Sox 4 to 3. Cleveland Guardians, they beat the Los Angeles a- Angels 8 to 6. Pittsburgh Pirates, they fall to the Baltimore Orioles 2 to nothing. And final now, the Kansas City Royals, they fall to the Milwaukee Brewers 4 to 3. The White Sox beat the Astros 3 to 1 and the Dodgers beat the Padres 4 to 2. All right, like Jimmy said, we have GMR Grand Prix results to get to. Alex Pillow was your winner today. He started third, finished first. He led for 52 laps. Your top 10 was Pato Award at the second place spot. Alexander Rossi, third. Christian Lundgaard, fourth. Felix Rosenquist, fifth. Scott Dixon, sixth. Joseph Newgarden, seventh. Marcus Erickson, eighth. Ninth, Colton Herta, and tenth was Graham Rahal. That is your top 10. Here is Alex Pillow talking after he won. Won the GMR Grand Prix. Yeah, what an amazing job by the tank crew, American Legion. First win with them, so super happy. Um, we honestly knew we had a fast car since uh, P1 yesterday. Uh, the car's been amazing all weekend, um, and once we knew that we were starting on reds, um, I think we knew that we were going to fight for the win. So yeah, amazing work by these guys. I just had to execute. Yeah, you told me that the month of May was not good for the 10 team last year. How determined were you to turn that around early? before you get to the Oval. Yeah, absolutely. We had an amazing test there, um, so it's, it cannot be a better start than what we had so far. So tomorrow it's Ricky's birthday. I think he's going to yeah. be 35. Um, so is that true? Maybe, it's, yeah. It's an early birthday present for him. So the boss said this is just a preview of what's to come. One driver has swept the month of May. Is that something that you feel confident that you can do? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, we had the car um, the last three years, uh, which has been close. So, yeah. We'll keep digging, uh, and hopefully it will be our day. 
Earlier this week, the Indianapolis Colts, they held their rookie mini camp. Here's Jim Bob Cooter, the Colts offensive coordinator, talking about his first impression on new quarterback Anthony Richardson. Good, good first impression. Came in, worked really hard, bright-eyed, energetic, uh, really into learning kind of the information we were putting in front of him. Thought he had a good, thought he had a good, uh, good start, good rookie mini camp, and like I said, uh, really excited to get going with him a little bit more when those guys can come back a little bit later and uh, get into the real stuff. Here is defensive coordinator Gus Bradley on the rookie minicamp as well. I mean, we're excited about all those guys. I mean, uh, obviously they're all, they've got some length. When they come in the building, you can see that, you know, they've got the length that uh, you look for at times, and that can be good and that can be bad. It all comes back to ability. But I'll have more updates for you in the next 15. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm James Adams. Welcome back. Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Rolling through the evening here on The Circle. I am Jimmy Cook. GMAR Grand Prix finished up today. When you're looking at the month of May, and if you're not actually going out to the track, you're not able to make it out there. The other tradition, the other alternative that you have is to go and turn on the IndyCar Radio Network, and listen to the race, maybe poolside, maybe after having a barbecue, maybe having friends and family over, whatever the case may be. We get a small taste of that today. Again, it's not the greatest spectacle in racing, but it is on the road course over at IMS for the GMR Grand Prix. Uh, shout out to my father-in-law, Joe Neely. He had a 60th birthday party today. And the reason I bring that in is because today at the cookhouse, it felt an awful lot like one of those race days where if you're unable to make it out to the track, but you're at home, you're able to catch the race on the radio, enjoy it, and and bask in everything that the IndyCar Radio Network is about. And today, again, that was at the road course, so we got to enjoy that with our next guest, the great Mark Janes. And as I welcome Mark into Indiana Sports Talk, first off, Mark, thanks so much for making time for us, as always. I want to start right with the the lead. I don't want to bury it. Alex Pillow capturing the win the GMR Grand Prix let's start with how that went about how big was he starting with the red Firestone alternates today to his victory ultimately over at IMS well I mean Davey Hamilton said that you know the the way that they managed the tire situation between the alternates and the primaries are probably going to be something that uh, at some point people attempt to emulate and maybe they do it later this year when uh when we have the Gallagher Grand Prix during the NASCAR weekend. But as Davey also pointed out, you know, there's an outside chance that the conditions may be different and, uh, you know, that strategy may not play out. And, and you know, it, it, it wasn't like Barber from the standpoint that it wasn't a, either a two-stop or a three-stop, and it all depended on the strategy. However, even though it was a, a, a rock-solid three-stopper for most people, it was a matter of knowing – you know, what compound to use and when to use it and, and making sure that uh, you had enough grip of the tire to match the fuel load as the fuel burned off. And, and clearly they did that better than anybody. And it was uh, the most dominant performance, quite frankly, that we had seen since Alex Pillow kind of made a mockery of the event at uh, Laguna Seca last year. So it's kind of it's kind of interesting that races have been pretty tight, pretty compelling, and um, – not really knowing who was going to win till we got to the finish, you know, to start the season. And then uh, 
you know, Alex Pillow did what he did at the Laguna Seca to close out last season. The icon himself, Mark James, and I have to take some time with us here on IST. Mark, it looked like from at home and both from your call, you just mentioned it there, hit the nail on the head. This was truly a dominant performance. Did it look that dominant in person like it did to us at home? Yeah, I think it did. I mean, he just, you know, he 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 just was was never really out of position. The car never looked out of sorts, and um, you know, uh, when the opportunity presented itself and and the traffic started to come into play, I mean, uh, you know, there's a gentleman's agreement there that uh, you know the, what drivers prefer um, is, is if you know if I'm going to pull up on you, I don't care if you go low. It's just it, when I pull up on you the next time, if I pull up on you the next time, please make sure that you go low. Don't go low one time and high the next. But I don't think it really mattered where anybody went once he did encounter some lap traffic. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's got to be gratifying, and I think it gives everyone an idea that novice may not be aware of it. But, you know, we, we focus so much on team sports in the sports world. And I think today if this was a team win, and Alex Pelot would be the first one to tell you. I mean, sure, he's driving the car, but not only did somebody have to give him a rock-solid setup, but uh, the pit strategy had to play itself out, too. So, uh you know, it, 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 a sport of any kind is about momentum, and I think there are two teams that have momentum uh, preparing for the Indianapolis 500, and that would be uh, Merrill McLaren and also Ganassi Racing. He is Mark Janes, the voice of the NECAR Radio Network. Well, at least now you get to put your feet up, right, Mark? No, wait, no, that's right. we still got a big event coming here in two weeks. Well, I appreciate you making time for us. As always, the call was compelling as per usual. And always really, Mark, appreciate when you're able to make time for us after a busy day like today. Looking forward to following along throughout these final two weeks to the greatest spectacle in racing. Yeah, well, uh, all the best to Coach Level. You guys keep up the great work. Uh, the, the show's in good hands for sure, and uh, happy to join you anytime. Have an enjoyable month like we all will. Thank you so much. You too, Mark. That is the great yeah. Mark Janes of the IndyCar Radio Network. Always good to catch up with him. Alex Pillow, the winner of the GMR Grand Prix. He'll try to do what only one other driver has ever done. That is sweep the month of May. We'll be back with more after this on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Major League Baseball right now, top of the eighth inning. The San Francisco Giants in Arizona to take on the Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks up 4-2-2. Giants at bat right now. They have two outs and one runner on base. Bottom of the seventh, the Phillies. They are taking on the Colorado Rockies in Colorado. The Phillies are up 4-3. Again, that is the bottom of the seventh. Earlier today, the Cincinnati Reds, they played the Miami Marlins and won. They won 6-5. Jake Fraley hit his third homer in two days to help the help the Reds win. The Marlins were leading 4-3 in the seventh inning, but scores by Jonathan India, Fraley, and Will Myers would put the Reds on top for good. The Reds improved their record to 18 and 21, while the Marlins they dropped to 19 and 21. Also earlier today, the Seattle Mariners they were in Detroit to face the Tigers. The Mariners shut down and shut out the Tigers five to nothing. Jared Kelenic he hit a two-run home run in the third, and it was pretty much on from there. Hernandez would hit a home run in the fourth as well for the Mariners. Seattle is now 20 and 19. Detroit they sit at 17 and 21. Also earlier, the Los Angeles Angels, they took on the Guardians. The Guardians won 
eight to six. The Angels were leading six to two in the eighth inning, but the Guardians would field six runs in the eighth to take the lead. Angels now sit at 21 and 19. The Guardians are 18 and 21. I'll have more scores coming at you in about 15 minutes. For Network Indiana, I'm James Adams. Back here for Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Jimmy Cook hanging with you all night long. And for the coach, Bob Lovell, again, like we mentioned, not summer vacation just yet for the coach, just filling in for him on a Saturday night. And happy to do it. We had excitement galore across the sports calendar today, obviously primarily dominated by the GMR Grand Prix taking place at IMS today. Alex Pillow taking the checkered flag there. We had a conversation about that with Mark Janes a little bit earlier. Now we'll shift back to the other two dominating storylines, and that is the Indiana Pacers and the Indianapolis Colts with our next guest. He is one half on he is one half of Kevin and Query. Or ah, I knew I was going to do that. I, I Just leave. Hang up now, Derek Schultz. Hang up. That's my fault. You can leave. You don't have to do anything with us the rest of the night. He is one half of Query and Schultz on the ISC Sports Network. I knew I was going to do that because I have both you and Kevin Bowen on tonight, and that is my fault. So uh, anything you want to say uh, to dunk on me, you're more than welcome to. I, I sincerely apologize. No, no dunking at all. In fact, I'm I'm happy that you invited me to come on the show. I, I, I'm not interested in dunking on anybody. I swear. Yeah, no, I, I, I love Kevin. I love Jake. I, it's the month of May, Jimmy. I mean, come on, it, it's Christmas in Indianapolis. I love everybody okay, right well, now. Okay, well, thank I'm you. In the best mood possible. Thank you for not being a Scrooge McDuck about that. I, I very much uh, appreciate that. Again, you can hear him for Query and Schultz throughout the year on ISC Sports Network. And for you, Derek, as we look at just what's transpired over the last couple of weeks, we'll start first with the Colts. You go from a constant debate about whether or not you're going to go with a high upside rookie in Anthony Richardson that's raw but unproven and a quarterback who, again, it might be unproven but has a killer arm and maybe has a better floor in Will Levis – They end up going with Richardson. Levis ends up in division, as does C.J. Stroud. And oh, by the way, Trevor Lawrence is in the division as well. It's a quarterback's mini arms race by comparison to the entire arms race of the AFC. And when you look at where the Colts are at right now, before we dive into the schedule a little bit, right now with all those pieces in play, expectation is probably still a five or six win season next year, but at least there's a light that you're shooting for in this tunnel of a rebuild, no? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess if you're looking for the ultimate glass half full statement or optimistic statement about this whole thing, at least we know that the Colts have a quarterback who's going to be on the roster next year. Um, you know, uh, that hasn't happened the last couple of years, of course, with what happened with with Philip Rivers retiring after just one year, and then of course the Carson Wentz situation, the, the Matt Ryan situation in 22, which never really got off the ground. That was a disaster really from the start. So at least, you know, Richardson is going to be here for at least two years, um, hopefully a lot longer than that. Uh, I think there's always excitement, Jimmy, when you have, when, when you go the high ceiling route, um, nobody likes the high floor guy, That that's not fun. Safe isn't fun. Not that Will Levis was safe and, and not that there is such thing as safe when you're drafting an, an NFL quarterback because nobody really knows, but it's always fun to, talk yourself into what the pie in the sky expectation could be for Anthony Richardson. It's just hard not to get excited when you look at him physically and athletically of of what he could potentially be once he's um, molded into a fully formed lump of clay uh, for the Colts. So I I just think turning the page and and trying to do this the right way, instead of just taping a bandaid on it, taping a bandaid on it, taping a bandaid on it, just 
saying, you know what, let's, let's just build this from the ground up. I, I think that's where a lot of the excitement and optimism comes from. I'm a big fan of reckless speculation. I'm a big Havoc guy to begin with. Obviously, we both kind of have that in some angles throughout this profession of sports talk radio. So when you looked at him post-draft and you looked at where the Colts are at and you look at the criticisms about Anthony Richardson and the accuracy issues, even though his on-target percentage would indicate that maybe the accuracy issues that were flagged at him weren't really all his fault. He went through some changes along the coordinator department as well. Didn't exactly have a treasure trove of receivers there at Florida. When you look at his body of work, did you have a dog in the fight before the schedule came out of if he should start week one or not? Or are you still wanting to wait and see what training camp's fruit provides for him? Yeah, dude's got to play. Um, what did the Bears get by starting Andy Dalton for two <laughs> weeks or however much it was? What did the Chargers get for starting Tyrod Taylor before he had that issue um, and, and Justin Herbert couldn't play? Um, what did the Giants get for playing Kurt Warner for six, seven weeks before Eli? It, just just play. Put him in there and play. Um, you know, and, and if everyone's expectations are so low for this team, if, if this is really going to be a four or five win team like everybody seems to say, who cares? Then, then, then why are you worried about Gardner Minshew winning a couple of games? Like Gardner Minshew is the guy that you want if you're if you're expecting to be like a wild card team or something like that. So uh, you know it, it, that's what kind of that's why I missed about the whole discussion is that the same people that say that, well the Colts are going to be bad also say well if they were just a kid start week well why not then if they're going to be bad then just throw him out there and and let's see what he can do. Um, I think Shane Steichen, given his post draft comments, is on that train with me. Um, now, Jim Ursay and Chris Boward might be on a very different train, but I, I think Steichen sort of played his hand there or, or revealed his cards, I guess I should say there, uh, when it comes to Anthony Richardson and talking about how meaningful it would be for him to get game reps. And he had 13 starts. Uh, you know, we're not talking about a very large sample size here. So I, I think Jimmy needs to get in there and play. Is there any hesitancy with that because I'm with you. My, mine is week one. It's been week one the whole way because everything they're telling us appears to be it's repetition. He's a smart kid. He picks up on plays very well. Exotic looks or, or exotic offensive packages don't seem to fluster him. Then it's a repetition issue. But, but let's say they're wrong. Let's say they're, they're pumping up uh, the, the PR work, as it were, and they are you know selling us a bag of goods about what – he can do and what he can't do if it really is an issue with processing if it really is an issue with understanding the flow of a Shane Steichen offense is there a benefit to having him sit in the quarterback's room for the first three weeks and and get more comfortable with that I guess I I still think three weeks I mean three weeks you you know know, I know you're I know you're playing devil's advocate a little bit here but uh look I'll leave that up to the people that are way smarter than me Uh, I'll leave that up to Shane Steichen, I'll leave that up to Bauer to to Ursay uh, to to make that sort of determination. Um, I I trust that they're going to do the right thing with him, but I'm still leaning towards them just giving him a baptism by fire here and and, and having him play from the get-go and hit the ground running. I'm less playing devil's advocate with this statement as much as I am looking at Again, look, scared money don't make money, right? That's the gambler in me in terms of what they need to do with how they play this out. But there is something to the thought of there's a difference with his style of play where he can use his legs at will, but there's a difference between deciding 
to use your legs to go scramble and go pick up a first down or or, or improvisation and make a big time throw downfield versus bailing on clean pockets because you get shaken early by defensive pressure or you get shaken early by your offensive line's lack of improvement. Is that at all a factor for you, knowing that, yeah, bad habits can form and as raw as he is, perhaps that's something that that really does hamper his development as a player? Yeah, of course bad habits can form, but bad habits can be uh, learned from, can be overcome, can be developed. You know, it's the same thing with, you know, Anthony Richardson's footwork apparently is all over the place and, and that needs help. Okay, well, how, how do you get better at that? You, you need reps. And, and I'm not talking reps in shorts uh, on West 56th Street. I'm talking about reps in real life games when you've got big defensive ends coming after you, like linebackers coming at you, like that, that's reps. That's, that's meaningful development right there. So I, I still think the, the pros here far outweigh the cons. And, and for every example that people like to bring up, like let's say Patrick Mahomes and Alex Smith, look, you've seen Pat Mahomes, right? I, I don't know that Pat Mahomes couldn't have done that stuff day one. He certainly did it day one in, in year two. Yep. So who's, who's the same? And he benefited. Yeah, sure. Could he have benefited? Yeah, of course he could have benefited from that. But we don't really know that. He could have hit the ground running right away. And and I I'm not saying certainly that Andy Richardson is going to be that. Right. Um. Or or you know even down the line is going to be that level of player. But I just think he needs the experience. He needs the reps. As the resident Chiefs fan in the city, I will say that different strokes, my friend. Uh, Alex Smith was a uh, at that point, still leader of that franchise, and they were still contending for playoff noise, not championships. Uh, the Colts are trying to one day get back to the playoffs. Derek, we've got to take a quick break. When we come back, I'll share a text message that one Derek Schultz sent from me uh, that made me cackle earlier this week. That and more on the Colts here on Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. baseball update in Arizona the Diamondbacks are taking on the Giants it is the bottom of the eighth inning and the Diamondbacks have really opened this thing up it is seven to two right now in favor of Arizona and the top of the eighth inning in Colorado the Rockies are down three to four to the Phillies right now the Phillies are at bat they have two outs two strikes and no runners on base Earlier today, the Texas Rangers, they took it to the Oakland A's. This was all Rangers. They won 5 to nothing. Two Rangers would hit home runs today. Nathaniel Lowe, he would hit one in the fourth. And Ezekiel Duran would follow up with one of his own in the ninth inning. The Rangers now sit at 24 and 15 on the season for the A's. They are only 9 and 32. In fact, they have only won four times at home this year compared to 17 losses. The St. Louis Cardinals, they took on the Boston Red Sox and won. St. Louis won 4-3. Boston was up 3-0 in the third before Nolan Arenado would open things up for St. Louis in the seventh with a home run. A three-run ninth inning would put the Cardinals in front for good. Right now, St. Louis sits at 15-25. Boston is sitting at 22-18. As I said earlier, the Chicago Cubs, they were dominated by the Minnesota Twins 11-1. The Atlanta Braves, they lost to the Toronto Blue Jays 5-2. The Washington Nationals, they were playing the Mets. That game is suspended and will resume tomorrow at 12-35. Washington was up 1-0. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm James Adams. Jimmy Cook back here for Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Joined by... 
one Derek Schultz of Query and Schultz on the ISC Sports Network. We were talking a little bit about Anthony Richardson. Derek and I both in the same camp about when he should start. I'm right there with him. Throw him out there week one, and let's see what he's got. There's plenty of examples that show that not really a benefit sitting for three more weeks. We'll dive into that conversation a little bit more in this segment. But first, a text message that I received from one Derek Schultz this past Friday while on 93.5107.5, The Fan, our sister stations, The Fan Midday Show. We were discussing the NFL schedule. Uh, my co-host Brian No and I were. We were debating the fact that Colts didn't get any love. No primetime games. There were opportunities. There were pathways that could have been done, but they weren't. And as I listed off a couple of options about what the Colts could have had a primetime game, I mentioned maybe a little Colts-Jaguars. Maybe even Monday Night Football. Who wouldn't like to see that? Uh, Derek, apparently you wouldn't. Uh, it should be against the law to put an AFC South game in primetime. Uh, it made me chuckle, and you're probably not wrong. I would argue that perhaps uh, that's used in solitary confinement in some prisons across this country. Yes, let's get – Democrats and Republicans can reach across the aisle, I think, on this issue, Jimmy, and, and pass a federal statute, no AFC South. No, I mean – uh, the schedule releasing, it, it's ridiculous, right? Like, let's just kind of call it what it is. It's, it's crazy that we overblow this so much. But I'll, I'll give the Colts fans and the listening audience um, a little bit of a, an optimistic fact here. The last two times that the Colts did not have a scheduled Sunday night or Monday night game. Scheduled, like, you know, they, they were flexed into a Sunday night game in one of these seasons. 2012-2018, they won 11 games in 2012, went to the playoffs. 2018, won 10 games, went to the playoffs before they are eliminated by your Chiefs. So, you know, the, the last two times that we kind of had these discussions where, oh, God, you know, the Colts are going to suck. They're going to be bad again. <laughs> they, they've been surprisingly good. I, I'm not saying that that necessarily is going to happen in 23, but uh, this team, when they've been down, they haven't stayed down for long, at least not in this century. I don't have my playoffs. I don't have that soundboard in front of me, but that's what I was thinking of when you put that. By the way, for the listening audience, if you listen to me long enough, you know I'm a Chiefs fan. I didn't realize that Derek was going to drop the fact that they lost to the Chiefs in 2018. To clarify, the woo that you heard in the background was about the idea that this season might be a playoff season. It was not about the fact that the Chiefs happened to win that game. I just want to clarify uh, that in that regard. Um, but in, in all seriousness, though, expectations are where they're at. Somebody sent me a message on Twitter, and, and, and I mentioned this as well uh, through my conversation with a couple others uh, that cover the Colts. Somebody messaged me on Twitter and said, hey, like, you got to earn these primetime games. I don't just give them away. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's a fair point. But also, uh, the Denver Broncos went 5-12 and last year. Uh, Russell Wilson looks like a shell of himself, and I get it. Sean Payton's there, and I get it that, you know, the Chiefs are in their division. There's going to be some primetime games. They got four primetime games. I don't know. The only thing I can think of is maybe the Colts, if they don't have that international game, maybe they're getting a Thursday night bone somewhere. That's the only thing I can think of when I look at if they were jobbed or not about this uh, schedule release. Yeah. What have the Bears earned? They've got four. <laughs> you know, the, the Bears, I, I feel like every time I, 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 I sit down and I actually, you know, I have a six-year-old now and my wife works overnight. It's like I have a hectic life, Jimmy. But I feel like every time I sit down to watch these primetime games, now I turn it on, it's the Bears flailing around on the field. Like, yeah, I get that the Colts are not supposed to be a great team, and yes, you have to earn primetime games, but some of these, like, mega market teams, I mean, Washington's, the NFC East teams, I know the division was good last year, but mostly the past five, seven, eight years, it's yep. been a really bad division. They're in, they live in primetime. <laughs> 
So, you know, the, the earning thing to me, eh, you know, miss me with that a little bit. My biggest issue with the Colts the last couple of years has been the wide receiver room. And I was carrying the water, banging the drum last year for Michael Pittman Jr. I was. I wanted a leap for him that was going to be where he's not necessarily Jamar Chase, not necessarily Tyreek Hill, not necessarily in that upper echelon of wide receiver, but a wide receiver one that isn't just a wide receiver one by name. And, and by that, I mean he's the top at the depth chart because the team is meh, right? I, I wanted better play from him last year. Part of me wants to talk myself back into it and think, well, you know, he had an aging statue throwing to him for half the season, and maybe with a competent quarterback, he'll take a leap. Do you have any hope in that regard about Michael Pittman Jr.? And even if you don't, how do you feel about what they did in the draft and in the offseason to fine-tune this wide receiver room for whichever quarterback's under center? This answer is going to sound weird because I'm going to present two contradicting thoughts that I have on this. Okay. Um, one thought one is that I really can't judge the receivers last year because it was just such a the, the whole offense was a deck of cards. The <laughs> offensive line failed. The quarterback was terrible. You know what I mean? Like before you even got to the receivers, everything else, everybody else was on their back. Yeah. So I, I can't hold that against those guys, any of them. Um but the second thought is that I think we need to just maybe accept that Pittman is just a very good player and not an elite one. I, I, I am very – I'm not going to write it off completely because he's still so young. I, I'm very skeptical that Michael Pittman Jr. is ever going to be like, a, oh, my God, keep you up at night. We got a plan for this guy. guy. Um, I think he could be a very productive player, a very good player, a dynamic, game-breaking uh, wake up in the night in a cold sweat as a defensive coordinator type threat. Now I, I, I don't really see that with him. Um, I like what they did with the Josh Downs pick. I'm not going to go crazy praising him because the, the same people that are doing that are the ones that were going gaga over Paris Campbell who had a very yeah. meh uh, career here. Um, you know, when we're, we're running a parade for him because he had what, like 500 receiving yards last year. Um, I agree with you that the receiver has been a big struggle and, and I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm still hopeful that maybe Michael Pittman Jr. can be part of the reason that Anthony Richardson hits the ground running. Um, you know, having that veteran presence and being around the block a little bit and, and growing and developing himself. Maybe Josh Downs is the perfect slot receiver. Um, you know, maybe you see some improvement from the tight ends as well, picking up some of the slack. You know, Zelani Woods has, has really flashed here. Uh, so I, I think there are reasons for optimism when it comes to just the Colts' pass catchers in general, but for me, for Pittman, it's such a critical year and a potential contract extension and all that. Um, I, I think he is trapped into that between being a one and being a two range, which is nice. It's nice to have, but you still need to have that elite level one. This isn't fair of me to do this to you because we have about two minutes left in this segment. And what I'm about to ask you is a live grenade that I'm throwing into the city of Indianapolis. But, you know, just how I roll. I'm an agent of chaos. What can I say? You remember when Ezekiel Elliott had those really dominant years early on in his career in Dallas? Yeah, of course. He, he had one of the best offensive line in football at the time. And I know he got paid in between then, so maybe that factored in as well. But when that offensive line aged and fell apart, so too did Ezekiel Elliott. Now, I don't think that's what's going to happen with Jonathan Taylor, but is there a real fear there that if this offensive line can't pull its weight, that, that he's going to continue to regress as a back? Yeah, I think there's, there's fear there. Um, I don't think it's going to get as bad as it did from last year. I, I, just, I refuse to believe that the offensive Same. line will be as bad yeah. as they were the first half of last year. Um, and I think Taylor is good enough to 
overcome that in a lot of ways. See, I, I thought you were going to ask me, you know, speaking of contract extensions, what do you do with Jonathan Taylor? Um, and nothing against Taylor, but you don't pay me, him. You, you do not pay him. You, you don't. Yeah, you just no. don't. That's no. that's not a business practice that is, I think, the correct practice for uh, 2023, 24, 25 uh, NFL teams in this current climate. So Look no further um, than the Panthers I, two years ago. They yeah. did it, and then two years later they had to trade the asset away. You know, I mean, it's just what happens. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I think these guys, they don't gradually fall off. It just stops. Mm-hmm. You know, you just wake up one day and they're the – they're the 12th best running back in the league. Um, and you're like, how did that happen? You know, this guy was the first pick in every fantasy draft not that long ago. And, um, you know, I'm not saying that Jonathan Taylor's career is over or anything. like. I, I'm expecting him to have a, a really nice bounce back year. Yep. But um, that's kind of how I view the future with 28. Uh, over under, we got less than a minute. Over under six and a half wins for the Colts. Oh, that's uh, – you see, because I, I was going to say like six or seven. Um, you know, I'm just going to say over. Um they had a lot of stuff go wrong last year, Jimmy, and they still that that very well should have been it should have been a six and ten uh, a six win football team. You take the Minnesota collapse out and a fourth and twenty against Houston in week seventeen, they win six games. That team, yeah, and this team's going to be better than that team. So I'll, I'll go over. You're the best. I appreciate you making time for us as always. You can follow him at Schultz nine seven five. Thank you, Derek. Thanks, brother. That is Derek Schultz of Query and Schultz on ISC Sports Network. More to come, including how Tuesday night could change the Pacers forever on Indiana Sports Talk. NHL playoffs earlier, the Seattle Kraken, they force a game seven in the second round of the Western Conference playoffs. They beat the Dallas Stars six to three. Game 7 will be Monday in Dallas. Also tomorrow, Vegas will be playing Edmonton at 10. Vegas is up 3-2 to two in their series. Major League Baseball scores right now in Arizona. The Diamondbacks are still up 7-2 to two over the Giants. It is in the top of the ninth inning. The Giants are at bat right now. They, two, they do have two runners on base and two outs. In Colorado, the Phillies are now up 5-4 to four over the Rockies. The eighth inning just ended. Philly's still up 5-4, to four, as I said. Earlier today, the New York Yankees, they beat the Tampa Bay Rays 9-8. The Cincinnati Reds, they beat the Marlins 6-5. to five. Seattle Mariners, they took on the Detroit Tigers and won 5 to nothing. The Cubs, they lost 11-1 to one to the Twins. In Toronto, the Blue Jays, they beat the Atlanta Braves 5-2. to two. Tomorrow at 12.35, we will see the resumption of the Washington Nationals-New York Mets game. That game was suspended due to weather. The Nationals are up one to nothing right now. Also final, Texas Rangers 5-0 over the Oakland Athletics. St. Louis Cardinals 4-3 over the Boston Red Sox. The Cleveland Guardians get the 8-6 win over the Los Angeles Angels. And the Baltimore Orioles, they beat the Pittsburgh Pirates 2-0. More scores coming at you in 15 minutes for Network Indiana. I'm James Adams. Jimmy Cook in for the coach, Bob Lovell. You know, Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Bit of a rainy day throughout here in downtown Indianapolis. Wherever you are in the state, hope you're enjoying, enjoying your evening. Had the GMR Grand Prix earlier. Alex Pelot takes it in dominating fashion. A lot of that due to the fact that he and his team at Chip Ganassi Racing decide to go with the red and excuse me, the red Firestone alternates. I beg your pardon, instead of those black primaries and 
able to take advantage of one and only caution early on and just a, a dominant performance across the board for Alex Pillow as he looks to potentially sweep the month of May. A great taste, an early taste, if you will, for what is the greatest spectacle in racing. It's like that just really delicious appetizer at like a really nice restaurant where you know that everything you're going to have is going to be just delightful. Like you know you're going to have a good time. And that's what you get off the bat when you experience GMR Grand Prix. And then you have all the pomp, the circumstance, the pageantry that is the lead up to the Indianapolis 500 again. That, that That's the appetizer. For Alex Pillow, it's an entree, right? Because anytime you're able to win in this series, you're very, very happy about it, getting an IndyCar victory. And, of course, you're over the moon when it's as dominant as his car was today over at IMS. But, again, for the casual or hardcore race fan, it is. It's an appetizer and a great appetizer at that. Like I said, five-star ranked restaurant that you're experiencing over at the Motor Speedway just makes you really want that main entree right away. we got to wait a couple more weeks before that gets underway. You can find all the coverage and lead up to that, of course, on our sister station, 93.5107.5thefan and on 1075thefan.com. Can't wait as that rolls through here in the great state of Indiana. We shift back to the Pacers for a second as that's what we hit on to close last segment, and it is truly a pivotal moment or could be anyway, a pivotal moment in Pacers franchise history when the NBA draft lottery occurs on Tuesday night. Again, I'm not saying that it's a guarantee or a lock that Victor Wembanyama is going to be the next great superstar to run through the hardwood. That is the association on a nightly basis. I'm not saying that he's guaranteed to be able to go bring an NBA championship to any team that he ends up. But when you look at the teams that are in position to potentially win the lottery. I'm looking at anybody that has a ticket to the dance, so to speak, right? That's rapid fire here in order. Actually, it's not in order because I pressed the simulator button earlier. Now in order, Detroit, Houston, San Antonio, Charlotte, Portland, Orlando, Indiana, Washington, Utah, Dallas, Chicago, Oklahoma City, Toronto, and New Orleans. Those are your teams that have a lottery ticket to potentially hit it big and win the Victor Wembanyama sweepstakes. And when you look at a lot of those teams, a mix of major market and small market, but a lot of small market teams in that mix, that is the recipe to win in this league. It is hitting your draft picks out of the park if you're a smaller market team or a team that does not attract high-level free agents. You all know this if you followed the NBA. It's different in Boston. It's different in New York. It's different in Miami. It's different in L.A. It's just the, the facts of life for high-level athletes, unless you have something strong to sell. And I know that we do, right? As an Indianapolis native, as a proud Indiana Hoosier, we have a lot to sell here in Indiana. But for someone that did not grow up here, it's easy to not appreciate it. And it's never going to be a battle you're going to win as a team looking for free agents. Where you can win, though, is getting that opportunity to sell yourself via the draft and make that selection and over the course of an entire rookie contract, sell somebody on the state of Indiana. The Pacers not only have an opportunity to do that in June, they have an opportunity to change the entire course of the franchise if Team Ping Pong, Team Ping, aligns for them on Tuesday night and they win the NBA draft lottery. They have a chance, a 6.8% chance at that. But boy, <laughs> should we be partying in the streets 
if that happens. Still to come, a look at when I think the Colts would start Anthony Richardson if it's not week one with the NFL schedule being released last week on Indiana Sports Talk. Welcome back to Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. Hope you're enjoying your Saturday evening. Again, main story, at least in the city of Indianapolis today, Alex Pillow, the 26-year-old Chip Ganassi Racing, wins the GMR Grand Prix at IMS, going for a sweep of the month of May. All the best to Chip Ganassi Racing. And Alex Pillow, as he tries to achieve that monumental milestone, and congratulations, of course, on the win this afternoon great race I, I know rain w- was all around central indiana for a time but but able to to get things off and running and again only one caution to have to deal with an ims today so across the board whether or not you were able to watch on nbc or whether or not you listened uh, on 93.5 107.5 the fan our sister station or any of the indycar radio network with the legend himself mark james who joins us earlier hope you were able to enjoy that and get your palette ready to roll for the Indianapolis 500 here in a couple of weeks. This is going to be a conversation over the course of two segments. We'll dive a little bit deeper into this in the 11 o'clock hour. But we've talked a lot about the Pacers throughout this night with a mix of the Colts as well and where the two franchises are. And it's funny, there's been pockets of my lifetime. Again, this is going from 95 to now. So again, a 28-year sample size, not exactly a a massive encyclopedia of what has happened in this city. In in all uh, honesty, when you look at the sports history of our great city, it's a a footnote in that regard in terms of just the iconic moments that have happened. But when you look at these two storied franchises in the Colts and the Pacers, there are certain levels of, since I have followed both the Colts and the Pacers, of synergy, In regards to the way the two teams flow with one another, the Pacers, obviously a lot of lean years uh, post brawl and trying to bring themselves back off of the mat of the NBA. And then the resurgence with Paul George and Roy Hibbert and David West and Lance Stevenson. And then obviously PG's departure and Victor Oladipo's arrival and then Victor Oladipo's departure. There's been a lot of ups and downs on the Pacers side for the Colts pretty much steady, but, but there were flashes where they were both at the tippy top of their game. And now for the last three or four years, we've all seen it's been the exact bottom. They've both been in the cellar in terms of, sorry, it's been the exact opposite. They've both been in the bottom of their respective divisions, conferences, leagues, wherever you want to go with that conversation. And now it's a transitional year. They're both sharing. We saw part of that last year with the Pacers in their beautiful draft and their beautiful just array of pieces with Benedict Matherin and Andrew Nembhard and company paired with Tyrese Halliburton. And the Colts are going through that right now with their selection of Anthony Richardson. The Pacers are going to have another big draft this June, another big moment on Tuesday night with the NBA draft lottery. But the hope is that, at least for the city of Indianapolis, if all things go according to plan, both will make their ascension out of these rebuilds right around the same time. And that, honestly, is going to be fascinating to watch. When we return, we'll look at Anthony Richardson, that big cornerstone piece, and where the NFL schedule might allow him to start, if not week one. That's next on Indiana Sports Talk.